Our second reading this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. He, being Jesus, was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive ourselves, for we forgive ourselves, forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend And you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, Because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your children ask for a fish, will give them a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will you give a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that as your scripture is read and proclaimed, that your spirit be among us, that it dwell among us, that it be with us as we go about our daily lives, as we do the work of being your hands and feet, not only here in this church, but in our communities, in our workplaces, and in our homes. We ask all these things in your most precious name. Amen. The year was 1943, the month was October, and the place was the city of Rome in Italy. A roundup of Jews and other groups of people were underway, and the Catholic Church under the leadership of Pope Pius XII was in a precarious position. The Vatican had no army, no missiles, no tanks, All they had was their faith in the power of God. But in spite of their dangerous situation, it was said that Pope Pius XII ordered that Vatican City and churches in Rome open their doors to provide sanctuary and refuge for anyone who was seeking protection from German deportation. Whoever came looking for assistance received it, Churches gave food, provided water and medicine, and even helped to distribute false identification papers for those in need of them. 
in defiance of the law, in defiance of human law, the law of God took precedence above all else. When you, when we together hear someone knocking on the door, we don't turn them away unless we want to close the door on God as well. I have to say, though, that Pope Pius was not a perfect pope by any means. And in the eyes of many, including myself, he could be deemed to be lackluster and ineffective in doing more to help Jews and other oppressed minorities. It goes to show, then, how those in positions of power and privilege can do much to help others if they only exerted their influence in the first place. But I want to think that Pope Pius had this morning's reading in mind, along with many other passages, when it came to taking a risk to embody unbound generosity. Unbound generosity meaning generosity that comes from a place of true understanding. An understanding that when someone comes in search of aid, you don't turn them away. Because we know that Christ came to set an example of what it means to give of our whole selves, our entire being. The knock on the door is a loud and clear call. That is not something we can ignore. So what's important then is how will we respond? Will we offer food? Will we offer shelter or whatever it is the other person on the other side is looking for, regardless of who they are? Or will we try to give them a scorpion, a snake, or our malice and hate instead. But before we answer that question, we should take a look at the more well-known part of this passage. This morning we hear familiar words, words that we say every Sunday. This morning we come across the Lord's Prayer and a more extensive section of Jesus' teaching on prayer. I always find it interesting, though, that it's at this point in chapter 11 that the disciples finally asked Jesus, how do we pray? Perhaps it was a cultural or a religious hurdle for them, or maybe the disciples were having feelings of inadequacy, like they didn't have any right to pray directly to God. But regardless of the reason Jesus teaches them to pray, to invoke the name of God, to ask for the provisions needed in their spiritual journey, and to ask for the things that will get them through life as well. It's a prayer that really carries a punch, a prayer that carries a lot of meaning if we stop and consider what it is we are praying for. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. This point then brings us to the section that is the main focus for us this morning, this discussion that Jesus presents on what it means to pray fervently, what it means to pray persistently, and what it means for us to open the door instead of closing it. In a way that's almost comically simplistic, Jesus asks those who are around him to imagine what it would be like to have a friend asking for help. And in this case, you are that friend asking for help. You would think it'd be something easy for us to imagine, right? But Jesus, as always, throws in a curveball. 
Because in this exercise, Jesus assumes our friend decides not to help us because it's an inconvenient time of day. Though I admit, if you knocked on the man's door at 12 a.m., I might have some mixed emotions as well. But it's almost funny, though, that Jesus assumes that our friend won't help. Because maybe Jesus knows that our own initial inclination is not to offer help when we feel bothered. But it's through perseverance, then, that act of constantly knocking on the door by which we are finally given what we need. It's an analogy that should be a source of comfort, and it should be an analogy that encourages us to cultivate our own spiritual lives as well. Because it means that even if we can't find anyone to listen to us, God is there. If we feel as though we have something weighing so heavily on us that we can't share it with anyone who's around us, God is there and won't shut the door in our faces. And it should encourage us then also. It should encourage us to cultivate our own spiritual lives. Because it means that we can have a conversation with God at any time. It doesn't matter if it's two or three or four or five in the morning, because God is always ready to welcome us in. And of course, God exists outside of time, so there's that as well. Last week, we considered what it meant to carve out time in our lives, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to take in refreshing words in the midst of our busy lives. This week, though, we're presented with the task to carve out time in our lives to be the ones talking with God, to have a conversation with God in our everyday lives. And just as God is there to answer the door when we pray, when we want to have a conversation, there is a response then to that as well on our parts that demands our attention. While we know that God hears our prayers, we in the here and now also hear the prayers of those around us as well. We hear the prayers of those who are grieving. We hear the prayers of those who are hungry. We hear the prayers of those who are dealing with tough and difficult circumstances. And we hear the prayers of those who have suffered injustice, fleeing persecution and abuse. And in all those situations, they are the ones knocking on our door, asking for a loaf of bread. God hears our prayers, and as I said, we know that. But in our mission to co-labor, co-work with God, we find that we hear a number of different prayers as well. And similar to what I said in the beginning, our response to those prayers will reflect our ability to live generously in God's grace, or will reflect whether or not we're constricted by the rules we place on ourselves. And if we are willing to, for a moment, break free from any earthly molds we've made for ourselves, we'll find that our lives together are more blessed and they're made richer for it. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those 
who ask of him. The readings we've had for the past few weeks actually remind me of something that we don't usually include in our Presbyterian tradition. There's a passage that comes from a book in the Catholic version of the Bible called The Wisdom of Syriac. It contains a number of Jewish teachings and sayings that are familiar to that of the book of Proverbs, but I wanted to share a section with you this morning that comes from Syriac 28, 1-5. The vengeful will face the Lord's vengeance. Indeed, God remembers their sins in detail. Forgive your neighbor the wrong, wrong done to you. Then when you pray, your own sins will be forgiven. Does anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord? Can one refuse mercy to a sinner like oneself, yet seek pardon for one's own sins? If a mere mortal cherishes wrath, who will forgive their sins? If we expect God, then, to hear our prayers, then it should be reasonable us or it should be reasonable for us who are the hands and feet of Christ to be able to hear and respond to the prayers of those around us as well. Without ceasing, we are confronted with the question of how we will talk to God and care for others in various forms. We're asked whether or not we will not, we are asked whether or not will we let in our neighbor and help them when they need help, but we're also asked whether or not we will allow God into our hearts to empower us in this co-laboring work of love. And we are asked also whether or not we will expand our understanding of God to those whom we have traditionally closed the door on for wrong reasons. It's a tall order. It's a tall order, it is, but one that is crucial to creating a world where we are all treasured, where we are valued, in a place where all are welcomed regardless of who they are. And in this task of co-laboring with one another, co-laboring with God, when we find that the going gets tough, pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray with perseverance. Because God is listening. Because we, who are your fellow travelers, are listening when you need us to be there as well. Pray, and it will be in that time of prayer that we come to understand what unbound generosity truly is. We may not, and we are not perfect people. We may not always be kind. We may not always be gracious to one another. But the truth remains that we are people with a heart that God has imbued with a sense of purpose and a sense of divine love. So maybe it's not comical then that the disciples ask Jesus how to pray. Perhaps we need that same spirit of humility as well. <clears throat> Perhaps we need that spirit of humility as well as we continue to learn what it means to pray. Because we need to start somewhere and to live as Christ did let us then pray that we can open the door when we hear a knock. And when we hear the knock then and open the door, we will be taking our first steps in living lives that are unbound. Amen.